0: I have a sticky and juicy topic for us today, and that is the subject of shame and how to alchemize shame, how to stop yourself from going into a shame spiral. I think shame is one of the most insidious emotions, and it's kind of the underbelly of all of our reactivity and the destructive things that we do so that we don't have to experience shame and so that we can kind of hide it. I also feel like it is very much at the core of shadow work because whichever parts of ourselves we are ashamed of, those usually recede into our shadow. So doing shadow work is really bringing the shameful parts of ourselves to the light. Welcome to Love Liz, the podcast that's all about inspiring you to be yourself, find true love and live your purpose. This is for all of you seekers with deep desires who are struggling with your own self-worth and figuring out how to make your dreams come true. I'm your host, Liz Newcomer, actor turned Enneagram coach, human design practitioner, wife and mama. I believe that who you are is enough to create the life and love you desire. Listen to find out why. Dictionary.com mentions that shame is the painful feeling arising from the consciousness of something dishonorable, improper, ridiculous done by oneself or another. I want to mention the difference between shame and guilt. Guilt is, I did something that was bad, and shame is, I am bad. It's identifying yourself with those labels of bad unworthy, unlovable. And so because of that, it feels incredibly personal. It's very deep. And a lot of our shadow is unconscious. And so usually, as it mentioned in the dictionary version, it's the consciousness, those parts of ourselves that were buried come to light, and then we have to deal with it. Shame is almost always triggered in relationships with others. As an Enneagram type four I am in the heart triad. And so heart types, two, three, and four, we desire love and connection. That is our primary motivation in life. And we experience grief when we feel disconnected. And we also feel shame when we feel unloved or unappreciated, not valued, invalidated. So what all heart types do And even if you're not a heart type, we're all social creatures. So what we do is we create an image of ourself that will get us love, that will assure that we'll be accepted. All of that energy and attention that goes to maintaining that facade, that mask that we wear to be loved, it's a really vulnerable construct. And usually what happens when you pass up the age of 25 and you start to do personal growth work is it feels like you're peeling the layers back, right? Peeling the onion, taking off the mask and getting back to who you really are. And I think that shame is really the core of how and why you constructed that mask in the first place to protect yourself from being rejected, hurt and abandoned, to ensure that you got love. So of course it had a great purpose. But then what ends up happening is that shame starts to be so powerful because we really don't wanna experience that emotion and we try to cover up and protect ourselves and it becomes susceptible and vulnerable and it's kind of like a poison from the inside out. So bringing shame to the surface, speaking about it, talking about it, that is what helps it lose its power, which allows you to live a more authentic life and feel safer being in your own body and in your own mind. Okay, so I'm going to share two stories of how I alchemized shame, and these are recent occurrences, how I stopped the shame spiral. Here's what happened this past week. I started to question and have doubts about whether I could make my dream come true and make a living as an Enneagram coach. And there was one day where I faltered in my self-belief. And so what I ended up doing is I started looking for waitressing jobs. I haven't waited tables in 10 years. And so I'm going online, I'm redoing my restaurant resume. I'm sobbing the whole time because I'm like, I have to give up on my dream and it's not going to work. And I applied to all of these jobs and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, this is so sad. Not that I have to go get another job, but that I'm making it mean that my dream isn't possible and that it can't work, and I'm giving up on myself. So I spent the whole morning applying for server positions, and then I went on a run, and I was listening to Macklemore's Sorry, which I love that song. It makes me think of him talking to his inner child, and I'm listening to it, and I'm crying, and I'm feeling really sorry for myself. And then about a mile into my run, that strong inner spirit started sprouting up inside me, and it was like, Liz, you can do this. You've got this. Don't give up on your dream. So many people can benefit from the Enneagram. It is a magical tool and you're the expert and you know how to use it. So put your time and energy in creating valuable resources and offers so you can help people and you can follow your dream. And I'm like, yes, that's what I'm going to do. So later that afternoon, I got a message from someone who wanted me to teach an Enneagram course to their group. And it was like a message from the gods. Validation. It was like, "See, Liz? Look, people want what you have to offer." And so I was so excited. It really gave me the wind in my sails that I needed to keep going. And I responded with what my package is, what my offer is for team building workshops, and I was feeling great. And then I get an email back from this person, and they didn't mean to send me the email. They meant to send it to someone else, someone else who was also in charge of bringing on an Enneagram teacher. So this email was very insulting and offensive to me because she was talking about my price, scoffing at the discount that I had offered, suggesting maybe they even look for another person and not use me. And it was a huge blow to my ego (laughs) and it just triggered the shame. Okay, so now here's the practice and here's where I want you to put your situation, whatever it is that triggers your own shame, this is where I want you to start applying how I navigated through this experience and how I alchemized shame so that you can do it for yourself. One of the first things that I noticed is that my body immediately felt different. I just finished having a walk with a very good friend of mine. I felt grounded. I felt at peace and happy. And when I saw that email, my heart dropped into my stomach. I started to feel jittery, almost like I had too much coffee. I felt very untethered, like a balloon that has been let go and all of a sudden I couldn't feel the ground beneath me. Okay. So when you get triggered, number one, you need a safe container to experience your shame. And that container means you need time and you need space. I was about to pick up my boys, so I knew that I didn't have time to fully process the shame. And when they got in the car, and I was so excited to see them, but they got in the car and I couldn't even focus on what they were saying. That's the other thing that was happening to me is immediately my mind started telling me stories and my thoughts were going really quickly. So body feels untethered, feels shaky. Mind is going (laughs) to worst case scenario. And I just was saying to myself, we will process this. Don't worry, it's okay, we'll process this. When I gave myself that safe container, that time and space to do so, in the meantime, I knew that the first thing that I needed to deal with was just the physical sensations and the emotions that I was having. And this is where you need to cut the cord between the narrative and the actual experience of shame. One of my favorite teachers, Josh Pice he always talked about that we have this like big book of our story. I imagine this huge, like leather bound old storybook. It's heavy, right? And it's thick and it's dense and it's got all of your stories. And he'd be like, okay, bring out the storybook. We'll get to bringing it out. But in the moment when you are feeling those intense physical and emotional sensations, it is not time to connect it to the story. It's time to calm your nervous system, to do breath work, to ground your feet, slow everything down. And I like to really get inside and try to locate where am I feeling this? What color is it? What's the texture? And I create more space for that emotion to exist without revving it up with the story. What the story does is if your emotion is a hamster wheel, the narrative is the hamster that just keeps that wheel spinning, keeps it going and it stays there for a lot longer. So that's what I did. I just took things slowly, really tried to focus on what was in front of me, deep breaths. Okay. So the next step that you do is you bring out that big storybook and you tell that narrative. You can tell that narrative to a person who is a really compassionate listener and will totally hear you out You can talk it out loud to yourself, you can write it in a journal, but you just get it out there. And even better, if you make it like a soap opera, so melodramatic, like really go to worst case scenario, but with a sense of humor. Okay, so I let myself do that and I was like, she thinks I'm a terrible teacher, I'm a greedy person. I'm never gonna make it as an Enneagram coach. How dare I even think of it? You, Liz, you must. All of a sudden, I'm going into British. It adds to the melodramatic effect. You must go back to waiting tables. How dare you, you entitled little piece of doo-doo. Down you go. Who do you think you are? Right? So you just like, now there's something that like, by adding that flavor of melodrama, it helps you disconnect and detach a little bit of the story. If you remember at the beginning of the podcast, I was talking about how shame is identifying with that label as I'm unworthy. There's something wrong with me. I'm inherently unlovable. And so by blowing it out in this way, all of a sudden there's some space between who you really are and the truth of it all. That's really helpful with shame. Okay, so you play it all out, worst case scenario. So when I was teaching improv, I was taught that there is a specific formula that almost all improvisations follow. In the beginning, you meet the character, who they are, what the relationship is, where they are, what they're doing, how they feel about it. Ideally, that all gets introduced in the first few minutes of the scene. And then there's an introduction of the game, Whatever the game is of the scene, whatever makes it fun, right? So let's say in this scenario, it's me and the person who sent the email. So we establish I'm making a proposal. She's kind of like the boss. She's going to decide whether or not she takes the proposal, that's who we are, that's what's happening, that's how we feel about it, I'm excited. And then all of a sudden, the game of the scene, the thing that makes it fun and juicy is the fact that I heard what I wasn't supposed to hear. It's almost like I became a mind reader. So then that is the thing that's fun from an improv perspective, if you're watching this in a comedy. Now take it on a highway straight to hell. So make it the next time, then I find out something even worse that she says about me. And then again, even worse than that. And it's like, just lay it on thick. And then you end in hell. And that's part of the comedy. That's part of the drama of those scenes. So that's what you're doing when you bring out your narrative, you're telling your story, you're taking a highway straight to hell. Once that's gotten out, a lot of times that feels really good and can maybe just be complete the thing in and of itself. But the next thing that you do is the other option in improv. If you don't do a highway straight to hell is you do a rocket ship to the moon. You do the same setup. Then I get the best email from her that I wasn't supposed to receive. Right. And she says, Oh my gosh, I am so excited to have Liz come teach this to our class. And she is what value she brings. She's incredible at this. We're so lucky. <laughs> and you just paint that picture. You let yourself imagine what you desire, how you want to be seen, what you want to hear. That's so lovely. And it's really nice to do that second because then it's like a very lovely reward that you get. Okay, so you take a rocket ship to the moon. You're on the moon now. All is good. All is well. But the last part is an integration. Letting go of the outcome, coming back to your truth. Now you've gone to both extremes. It's reconciling the difference and it's moving forward with both and. To me, it looks something like she may not find value in my work and I value my work, and I value what I do. And that's what matters. That's what stops the shame. It allows her to have her truth, to have her experience. And then it gives me the space to not abandon myself and reject myself and take on the assumptions of how she perceives me when truly it has nothing to do with me. It's not about who I am as a person. Therefore, it doesn't warrant my shame. Now I want to end on a high note and I want to tell you how I use the same process in a different context and I got my desired outcome. So I had a final session with one of my long-term clients who I absolutely adore. And because it was our last session and I was really excited. I just wanted her to know how much I believed in her. And I was, I kind of felt like I was taking over in the session. My job as a coach is really to hold the space for my clients to discover themselves. When we finished the call, I just had this feeling of, did I give her enough space for her to find in herself what she needed to find? Or did I tell her what to find? And so the next morning she texted me because she wanted to check in about a practice that I had given her. And we were texting back and forth about that. And then I left her voice message and I said, I just wanted to let you know that I was feeling a little bit lousy about how we ended our call. And I felt like I was dominating and I want you to know how much I love you and believe in you. And, you know, I wanted to check in and see how you felt. And I apologize if I took over the session and I was expecting to hear right back from her, but I didn't. And then I had another few calls, so I was distracted and then I realized she hasn't responded to me. And then the shame spiral began and i made it mean that i'm a terrible coach and she's never going to want to use me and and then i did the best case scenario and i said actually she hasn't responded because she forgot because it absolutely wasn't an issue at all and she loves me and adores me and nothing has changed in her eyes and we're as close as ever so throughout that day i still didn't hear from her that night nothing the next morning nothing and it's a process it's not like it's easy You have to keep your eyes on the prize. You have to keep focused on what is true, right? Which is maybe she does think I'm the worst coach and that tarnished our relationship forever. And that will make me so sad. And I will take whatever lesson I can from that, use it to be a better coach next time, do whatever repair I can. And I still don't need to abandon myself in the process because I know how much I care and I know what my intention is. And that's what I have to stick with. So it is, (laughs) it's not so easy, but I, I stuck with myself and then I get this message from her and she was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't see this come through. I'm so sorry. Absolutely not. I didn't feel like you were dominating at all. I always get so much out of our sessions and I love you so much and I know how much you care. And she was even laughing. She was like, You have nothing to worry about. And y'all, the relief that I felt. And she was like, You've helped me grow in ways I never thought possible. Eternally grateful for you. And I got my rocket ship to the moon. It was reflected back to me. And that was so lovely and incredibly validating. But what I want you to know is that whether you get the rocket ship to the moon or the highway straight to hell, as long as you stay with yourself, you can face anything. Bring your shame to the surface. Name it to claim it. That's how you get your power back. That's how you repair your relationship with yourself. And shame is is an unproductive emotion and it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help you be a better person to feel ashamed. So shame is valuable. It has something to teach you and it can be alchemized. It can be integrated into the wholeness of who you are, the totality of you. I hope this podcast resonated with you. I hope it gives you some tools to stop yourself from going down a shame spiral alchemizing it into a form where you can empower yourself to be who you are and continue on this journey. And until next time, love lives. If you are someone who struggles with shame, and you would like support navigating through this treacherous field, that's what I'm here for. And if you're between the ages of 25 to 35, I have my group coaching Becoming You that starts on February 20th, and we will be diving into a lot of this work. I would love to have you inside. And if that doesn't apply to you, I have other ways that we can work together, and I look forward to meeting you soon.